The Profit Constructors presents Construction Junction, the junction between accounting and construction. Please welcome our host, Tanya Schulte. Hello. Welcome back to the eighth episode of the Construction Junction podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Schulte. Thanks so much for joining us today. I have a great topic to share with you. A few days ago, I got to sit down and have a conversation with a couple of my good friends. Josh Umar, who is the executive director of the American Subcontractors Association Arizona chapter, and also Dick Roberts, who is the president of the board of directors of that local Arizona chapter. And the topic of discussion as we just sat down and had a little lunch break chat was why should you as a general contractor or subcontractor or anyone involved in the construction trades, even those of us like myself who are part of that construction trades community who offer services for those trades, why should you belong to a local trade organization? Is there value in that? So I hope that you'll get a lot of value out of our discussion. It's a little bit different from our normal podcast format. We're taking a break from that for this time. And we look forward to coming back next month with our regular format. But I know you'll enjoy this little side chat conversation that Dick and Josh and I had. Afterwards, if you want any more information about the American Subcontractors Association, which is a national organization, they have chapters all over the country, please do reach out to us at hello at theprofitconstructors.com and we'd be happy to give you more information. And if you're local here to Arizona and are interested in joining, we'd love to have you um, join us for one of our networking events or um, we're coming up on uh, an annual event that we do called the GC Expo where we partner with a couple of other trade associations. Um, so just a lot of good information that you can um, get out of this chat and find out more about why it is important uh, as a business to belong to this type of trade organization. Hope you enjoy. So let's dive on in. Josh, let's just start with ASA. Like, Tell us about ASA, what is it and why does it exist? So ASA stands for the American Subcontractors Association of Arizona. Uh, we were established in 1984. Um, we have members all over the state, uh, mostly subcontractors, obviously, but also uh, some folks like you, Tanya, that are in the, we, we think of you as subcontracting community, you know, service providers, suppliers, your, your accountants, your, your lawyers, those folks that are integral part of the success of our subcontractor members. And our mission, put simply, is to enhance the ability of the subcontracting community to thrive, period. We want you to succeed. We want you to succeed wildly in what you're doing. And we do that through the ways that associations typically do. Advocacy, uh, collaboration, networking, education, and kind of that marketing piece of helping people um, improve their uh, position in the market and their brand recognition and those kinds of things. And so we've been at it, like I said, since 1984, uh, members pretty much everywhere all over the state, there's at least one. And um, I think what makes us sort of stand out, one of the many things that makes us stand out is that we are not trade specific. So we, we like to think of ourselves as kind of the voice of all Arizona subcontractors is that one voice, that unifying force, because it doesn't matter whether you're a landscaper or a drywall person or a plumber or an electrician or whatever, you can have a place here 
and we will have resources that will help you succeed and resources to help you overcome your challenges. And so we end up kind of being the natural, um, the natural joining place, the natural resting place for people who are looking for an association, because you can, again, you, you don't have to be a part of a specific trade, but then the other side of that is that when you join, you get access and you get linked up with almost the whole of the industry. There's going to be someone somewhere that has a product or some expertise or some information that you can use to make your business better because we have that breadth of membership. That's great. Um, Dick, did you hesitate or maybe have questions before joining ASA? Was there anything that made you kind of wonder if it was a good choice for you guys to join up? Yes, in the very beginning, because I came at it from a different um, angle a little bit. I'm a member of the Arizona Landscape Contractors Association, so it's specific to my trade. And one of the reasons why I got very active with them, there were two reasons. Number one, for advocacy. That to me is the number one reason for ASA, for me, and also for ALCA. But the other side with ALCA, and it now has bled over to ASA, is professionalism. I don't want the future generations to be labeled construction workers. I really don't like that term. We're all professionals. I don't care if it's me running a backhoe or my guys putting in trees <clears throat> or piping for plumbing or electrical. We're professionals. And so I wanted to bring up the professionalism of our of our industries. So yes. with ASA, I got involved first from the advocacy side through, uh, through ALCA. We were all part of AFC. And I really was totally at the time it was it was under a different name, AFC was. And because of that, I thought the other association was ASA. And a two members of ASA invited my daughter, who's vice president of my company, and I to the Christmas party. And hey, there's going to be general contractors there, and it'll be a really good mixer for you. And I remember telling my daughter, no, there's not. There's no general contractors there. I've never seen one because I had the two associations mixed up. So tell us about AFC now that we've brought it up. What was or is AFC? How did that all? I'm going to let Josh answer that one, actually. So, so AFC stands for Arizonans for Fair Contracting. And it is a coalition that ASA is involved in, and I would say a leader in, um, that brings together a variety of different subcontractor associations, companies, individual um, company owners who are passionate like Dick is about advocacy and fights to protect subcontractors, fights to make sure that when it comes to laws being passed, when it comes to court cases being argued, when it comes to policies, even down to the school board level, right, the local municipal stuff, that subcontractor interests are protected and that people aren't stepping on the, the ability of those businesses to succeed. So that group um, focuses on those things all the time. And many, many, many people from ASA are involved in AFC. So I was going to ask both of you and Dick, you, I think you've already answered this. What was your number one, was your specific number one reason for joining? Josh, do you think 
that's the number one reason most people join is from the advocacy standpoint. Is that why they're most are joining trade organizations like this? Uh, I think so. From a general perspective, that is one of the top reasons for sure. And that's true, I think, across the board, whether you're talking about construction or or any other kind of association, because um, especially, you know, with what we've seen out of the world the past couple of years, uh, the political situation, the pandemic, so much has become unpredictable. And it, it, sometimes things are unpredictable in a good way, right? Things happen that are that we don't see coming and they're positive for us. But just as often or even more often, you get reactions to this unpredictability in the legal world, in the political world, that are going to be really harmful. And you have to have someone standing that guard post to not only share that information with their members, in our case, it's the subcontractors, obviously, but to fight for them and to be watchful and to go out of their way to say, hey, if you're a member here, we're protecting your interests because, um, you know, I'll just speak just to the subcontractor situation specifically in our situation specifically. Dick is right. Subcontractors are skilled professionals and they're the ones out there actually building things. And yet when it comes to uh, the respect that they are given and the attention that they're paid in the legal and political world, a lot of the time they get short shrift. And so it's my job and uh, my staff and board and the folks at AFC to make sure that doesn't happen. And I think people, to bring it back around to your question, people see the value in, in having someone always watching out for them in that advocacy arena. Yeah. I will say, Tanya, that Josh is so right. We recently had something happen at a school board level that, as you know, we're always at ASA looking for new members. And... I think in the beginning, ASA was more residential contractor based than, co than commercial construction based. And over the last few years, I've seen that leveling off to where more commercials involved. So when I reach out to the guys that I see on my jobs that I work together with in commercial, some people love it for love ASA for the advocacy. Some people like it, believe it or not, for the mixers and just sitting down with other people in the trades and talking about what's our future? What, what are you seeing out there? So you get that social energy. A couple people I've talked to recently that I'm Josh and I are going to meet with next week for potential membership. They've always been hesitant because they could care less about a social. That's not their deal. But it's really once they heard what happened with a school board recently and with a couple of um, bills that, that did not make it through the legislature that we helped knock down, all of a sudden, advocacy wise, they're really seeing the value of what little bit it costs to be a member of this and what we have now helped prevent from happening. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, even let's just speak to what happened at the local city level, because mm -hmm. one of the things we've been talking about is advocacy at a, a state legislative level is great. Um, but I think the more members that are involved in ASA, the better off the whole organization will be, because we all tend to be a little more conscious of what's happening in our local community. Right. Right. Um, and so, Josh, tell us about what happened recently with the prevailing wage situation in the city of Phoenix and how that was advocated through the membership. 
of ASA really well. Sure, sure. So one of the one of the things that we've seen just sort of generally to give people some background in the in the past couple of years is um, as uh, issues have become more heated, as politics has become more even more of a of a little bit of a dirty sport and. And as, divide. yeah, there's the, the divide is widened. And, and, and then on top of that, you have things like, like the COVID situation and partisan bickering that have really made a lot of our political institutions look less effective. They are less effective in some ways. And so what happens is those fights get transferred other places, right? They start showing up in city councils. They start showing up in county board of supervisors. They start showing up in school board meetings. And so you have to be vigilant. And we've seen this at ASA all through the past year with prevailing wage um, statutes popping up uh, all over. Phoenix, Tempe, Flagstaff, these have all been discussed. Um, you're, you're seeing um, harmony agreements, uh, different kinds of labor agreements starting to get put into uh, school board procurement policies. Uh, Phoenix Union has been uh, the most recent one, as Dick said. And so what we've had to do here at ASA is be vigilant uh, for or against what, whatever those things are. And to your point, Tanya, we have done a wonderful job um, and our members have done a wonderful job, more importantly, of being a really powerful grassroots to get in there and voice their opinion, to, to go to the school board meeting or to submit testimony to the city council. And we have been able to dominate in some cases those processes with subcontractor feedback. And I'm incredibly proud of that. Um, one of my main goals here and, and the vision that we all share here at ASA is that subcontractors, like I said, they're the people building stuff. They ought to be the most respected person in the room when these conversations are happening. You yeah. shouldn't be able to pass a law that affects construction businesses directly without talking to subcontractors. And I'm really proud of the way that our members have jumped in and stepped up to make that a reality as these fights have shifted to that municipal um, area. Yeah, great stuff. So again, it sounds like in terms of what's most important to a lot of people, it's advocacy. I like something that you said also, Dick, about the mixers and the social aspect of it, because I think we all do need community. And it's nice to get together. It's nice to know one another um, and to, you know, um, remember people's Halloween costumes from the last Halloween mixer and to just have those shared memories. Community, I think, is, is an important aspect of being a part of an association, especially because, like you mentioned, Dick, um, there is a certain um, level that, you know, people do sometimes misunderstand, let's say, subcontractors. But there's a way in which when you get together with like-minded people, you can say, no, we are professionals and, and you can value one another and help one another feel valued um, and then also help raise that, uh, that picture of what we are in, well, I say we, because you know, I'm an accountant, but I've always been in this construction industry and I really am passionate about it. And I think that is something very important too, is that community aspect, not just being together, but being together out in the community, doing good in the community as well. You know, it's funny, Tanya, for years, ALCA, Arizona Landscape Contractors, tried to get me to join. And I always said, why do I want to go to a mixer and sit around with my competition and kibitz with them? Because what's the point? One minute I'm being nice to them, the next minute I'm trying to get their work from them. So for years, I didn't join. And then about 15 years ago, 
when times were really good, we joined and I started attending and getting involved. And so did my daughter. Well, now we've become friends with a lot of the people that we're in competition with. But like when the downturn recession hit, we would sit there and talk at these mixers about what we're all going through. And then I mentioned about when you asked me destination places, Grenada. Well, that's actually a trip that a manufacturer sends people on every year to different places based upon your purchases of their product. And again, it was one of those things, well, do I really want to go to a business management seminar, quote unquote, or do I, do I really go because I'm talking to other landscapers from throughout the country. And these trips are really big because they're done in January. They're always planned out for mostly people in the Midwest and the East Coast who aren't working. You know, that they've gone from planting trees and, and irrigation to pushing snow in the winter. So it's fun to sit down and talk to those guys, how they do things back there to how we do things here. I heard one of them one time talk about pulling pipe. And I'm like, what do you mean pulling pipe? Well, they don't trench, clean the trench, and then lay the pipe. They have a machine that rips a, a trench, and the pipe goes in right behind it, right off the same machine. It's just the difference in our regions and how they do things, how you winterize this system. And I laugh. I go, we don't ever get cold enough to worry about that. So that's what I love about the interaction, and that's where the mixers and, and these types of things come in. And then again, professionalism. We I, I've noticed the raising of the bar in the landscape industry in the last 15 years. So everything I've preached and wanted to preach has come to fruition. And now I see it in ASA too. And I think it's great. So I belong to a round table. It's called not the only one round table and it's for all different accountants. And it's literally called not the only one because when you get together and you're sharing, Oh, I'm having this issue with employees or, you know, with whatever they <laughs> may be, you begin to understand you're not the only one, right? And so that's so helpful to know that not only you're not the only one, but if I share that issue, someone else who's already been there, done that can say, well, when that happened within our company, the way we were able to overcome it. So they become less and less and less your competition and more and more and more your that partner. person who is fighting alongside you. I kid people all the time that the gray on the chin is not really age, it's wisdom. And it's because after 42 years, I've pretty much been there done that yeah and almost everything i've been through two downturns because i started the company in 79 when you think about where the economy was then so i lived through 79 80 81 i lived through the late 90s and then of course six seven eight nine ten you know to where you Everybody talks about the business owner being the guy that makes all the money, but he's also the guy that has all the risks and lose every, loses everything when there's a downturn. And that's where you get to interact with people. How did you protect yourself? What did you do? This is what I did. And it gives great feedback to one another. Yeah. And, and great that you get to sort of mentor people and pay that forward in the business through these organizations. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What a great benefit for everybody else that's belonging to that to be able to say, well, I'm learning from Dick Roberts and, and the things he's been through. I don't have to go through that. I can find better ways to maneuver certain things because Dick was able to share with me how he made it through X, Y, and Z. Right. Now, my, my wisdom didn't come in the beard. It, 
the brain grew so much that it forced the hair out. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. whole cranial. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow, I got I to remember that one. <laughs> I've heard a lot of excuses, but never that one. <laughs> Josh, why do you, you know, you mentioned earlier, like myself, I'm part of the that subcontractor community that's around the subcontractors. So accountants and lawyers, why is it important for them to be involved in these trade organizations also? Well, I think the, the short glib answer is, well, you'll find customers, but I think the, the longer, more important answer that follows up on what you and Dick were just saying is you'll find partners, right? right You'll, you'll find people who will be loyal to you. You'll find people who aren't just someone who's buying your product or your service, but who really want to be long-term business associates with you. And I think, especially in the subcontractor community, I mean, you, you tell me if you think I'm off base, but I think those that loyalty and those long-term relationships are at a premium as much in this industry as they are anywhere I've ever been. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it matters. It really matters to people. Um, and so for, for those associate members is what we call them, but that community, if you want to, if, if you look at your own business and your own career or your own company and, and you say to yourself, that's the kind of people that I'd like to work with are people who want to be long-term business partners, get involved get active and, and approach it with that attitude. Um, one of the more illuminating things, I think, uh, the, one of the more illuminating ways to talk about who should join associations and why is to talk about who shouldn't join. Mm -hmm. To me, mm -hmm. if you're someone who wants to pay dues and get a membership list and never show up and never support and never meet and build the relationships that the kind that Dick is talking about where even with former competitors, there's now a bond, right? And an ability to work together and partner and solve problems. If that's not who you are, don't bother. Yeah. I don't know anybody in that boat who's ever paid their dues and then been happy with it. On the other hand, if you're someone who wants to build those partnerships and be part of a community, then you're the person who needs to reach out and say, hey, Josh, how do I get involved? Yeah, it's only the because you, if I can real quick, only because he said I might not agree with him. The only thing I would say is you're going to have the people that are going to get involved. And you're going to have those people that join because they're going to sit in the background and enjoy the benefits that our advocacy and so on is going to put forth. So I look at it that I'm OK with those people, too, because they're going to give us a, the financial resources and their dues, but also something that every politician understands is power in the amount of people you have. The more members we have that represent a workforce of this state, and we all know who's ever lived in Arizona for very long, construction is the largest industry right now there is in the state, which has always blown my mind because you would think we would have technology or some other huge industry in here and we don't. So that company that doesn't necessarily want to get involved, their census of employees and their dues are still going to give us some power. And that's what it's all about when it comes to politics is power. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I won't turn away anybody's juice. Jokes. I just <laughs> want to be clear about that. But, but what I'm talking about is specifically those associate members right. And the ones who are going to be the happiest right. are the ones who are going to engage. Yes. And there's the difference in the way we look at it. You're, you were talking associate. And I was, I was looking thinking at a regular. Member, member satisfaction. Right. You know, so. Right. 
No, and I think that's true. And I think not only is it more satisfying for that associate member, um, but it's pretty obvious to those that are involved that aren't the associate okay. members mm-hmm. who's coming to really partner and, and be a partner with you and who's not. Right. Yeah. Um, so what impact, I know we've kind of talked about the advocacy piece, but what impact do you think that these uh, trade associations can actually have, again, paying it back, paying it forward, giving back, how can we be of impact in the community? I'm happy. To- I, I would just say, I mean, on my part is to fight bad laws. Mm-hmm. Um, like Josh stated, the, the current uh, politics that we've seen over the last few years, the divide has never been this bad in my lifetime. And having been an American history major originally in college, I love American history. I mean, I read books about it all the time. I probably have read more books about American history than any any other topic. It's worse now than I've ever seen it. And because of that divide, like Josh mentioned earlier with, with one school district trying to slide something in, they tried to slide it in, ironically, with the name not even being prevailing wage. It was under some little powder cloud, you know, we're we're all gonna sit around the fire and sing Kumbaya and we're all gonna benefit from it. And Josh, I know you could say the name, I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, some of that, it had to do with um, the the wages and what they call harmony agreements. There you go, harmony agreements. And so they, they put language in their procurement about how Anybody that's going to bid on a job uh, for the Phoenix Union District has to demonstrate has to be able to demonstrate a spirit of harmony. That was it. Yes. And I, I that was new for me. I have to say that wording. Never seen that as part of a contractor procurement policy no, before. So. No. And ultimately, all it's going to do is raise prices. Right. That's all it's going to do. Agreed. And slow down production. Right cost cost subcontractors more because they're going to have to hire new administrative staff to handle all the paperwork and the regulation. And, yes. And, yeah. and one thing about Arizona and all the years I've been around, because um, I've actually lived in the state 50 years now, Arizona has always had a target on its back because we're only one of two states that are, um, our labor is, is, is not mandated by unions. Right. Uh, right to work states. There's right. only two of us left. And so we've always had a target on our back for that. Yeah. And so part of that, what we're talking about is those subcontractors who are out really good at their trade. Maybe they're even decently good at running their business like that. You know, they don't necessarily need to take advantage of that piece where they can um, get some education that might be offered or those types of things. A big part of it is they do not have the time to be reading every one of these things that's coming up at every single city council, um, every single school board, they don't have the time to read it and then not only read it, but then interpret it, right? And so that's a huge, again, benefit being brought by trade organizations and in this case, specifically ASA that there's someone like Josh sitting there going, okay, what does this mean? How should we be interpreting this? And then being able to relay that back to the community and then get people to move at that grassroots level. Well, not only that as a small business owner, you don't have a large staff, so you don't have an HR person. And now on all of our jobs, safety person. So, you know, to, to learn 
with ADOSH, you know, uh, and, and, and even some of your general contractors, what their safety rules are and so on. You don't have that person that can go around in a truck and drive around and make sure your people are doing that. Now, some real big subs can, you know, um, but the smaller companies like us, it's me. And the only way I can do it is to stay up with with some of the stuff that ASA gives us regarding safety and, and, and working with, you know, the state level of OSHA and the federal level of OSHA. Yeah. And not only do you not always have the time, Dick, but there's so many of the smaller guys that don't know what they don't know. Right. So how do you keep up to date with what you should know if you don't have someone kind of running point for you at some level? What do they say? Ignorance of the law is not an excuse. Right. Yeah, so that's exactly right. We recently had a client that had no idea uh, about the paid sick time law, and it's not that long ago that we engaged with them. So it's been a while that they haven't been participating properly and paying the paid sick time in the proper manner because they didn't know anything. That, they didn't even know that that was a law. Now, is that the COVID portion or is that the prior one no, that came out with the minimum wage law? Not the minimum wage, but the minimum number of hours that you have to provide for paid sick time. Right, right. But it came out with that that law rather than... Yeah. And they were just completely unaware that they had to offer paid sick time. And if you don't know, and if if you're not involved in any arena of people who are going to help make you aware of these things, you're just going to keep operating, doing what you do until it comes back around to hurt until somebody turns you in for it and then it can bankrupt you. and it will come back around yes. and and that's the thing that I, I think you know if we're talking about reasons to join associations it's that you know it keeps you from falling into those traps a lot of the time yep. um you know one, one way that i like to put it to people and this is i think true of us and i hope to make it more true by the day but it's really true of any association that you're thinking of joining a good association will help you enhance the top line and help you find customers and help you enhance your earnings and it will help you protect your bottom line right and and if you if you look at an association and you can see that they're doing education on these kinds of issues with you know legal stuff and leadership development if they're doing the advocacy piece keeping you informed about that if they've got that community that yeah, it's going to help you find new customers, but really is going to help you find partners, long-term business partners. That's the kind of association you want to join. Yeah. And, and I think it will help you on both ends of that. Yeah. So as a final kind of um, wrap up to all this, tell us like how is ASA right now positioned to do all of those things that you just kind of mentioned, Josh? I mean, the short answer is very well. Um, we have a long track record here of defending subcontractors in the industry in the advocacy arena we have a recent still re- relatively recent big victory on proportional liability with sb 1271 um, we have a long history of leadership development and education programs that we're right now reinvigorating and i think uh, there's not anywhere else i've ever been when it comes to association events that has a better sense of community and camaraderie than us um, we, uh, you know, and talking about joining an association, that's why I joined as executive director was having gone to ASA events for my previous job and met so many people that were involved and thought to myself, yeah, I'd like to be around those folks. You know, I'd like to help run those events. That would be a blast. And so we have that sense of community. We have that sense of camaraderie 
And, and we have that ability to have a good time with people that understand what you're going through. So I think, you know, moving forward into 2021, 2022 and coming out of the craziness that we've just come out of, I think we're in great shape. That's awesome. Dick, uh, cause this podcast is a national podcast, not necessarily going to be, uh, just for those in the local Arizona area. But if you're thinking in terms of just, you know, nationally across the board, if someone's listening to this podcast and thinking about, should I, or shouldn't I, and you mentioned yourself, maybe you were a little hesitant right up front to be a part of these associations. How would you speak to that person right now? And what would you tell them? Why should they, you know, kind of get over a little bit of that hesitancy and move forward and and join? My response to that would be, you are protecting your business. You're going to have people in an association who are looking out for you. And not only in advocacy, in safety, in work comp training. I mean, there there are so many different levels of running a business that the average person, when they first get in, don't understand. I mean, if you ask some guys in very small company just starting out, you know, what's your mod rate on work comp? They don't even know what the definition exactly. That's exactly it. I can tell you mine. And it's because I learned it through the years. When, when are your 941 taxes due? Yeah. You know, off payroll, your 940, et cetera. By being an association member, you have that resource to reach out to people. And, and we're here to help. One thing I'd like to add with Josh, as far as ASA Arizona is concerned, I've been on the board now for four years. And we recently had our board retreat the energy that came out of that meeting from the new board because of the membership or the board dynamic of old member, former board members, I'm not going to call old, former board members that are still on the Speak board. For came, yourself. Came back on the board and the new people on the board, our energy level over the weekend was fabulous. And I know Sometimes it's real easy, just like a football coach getting you fired up for the second half. It's real easy to come out at halftime being all fired up and then it goes to pot. I I don't see that happening with this group. The energy is there. The mission is there. And I think that's what nationally you as a nationalist association and the local chapters of that national association, you can really do now is you can really reach out and help people that are in the industry with all the different programs and really highlight those programs. Cause as a business owner, again, smaller business owner, you don't have time for that. And you're going to learn, you're not, you're going to learn the hard way. You didn't have time for it and it's going to bite you. And that's where somebody like ASA can really help you before you get bit. Yeah. I think uh, I was there with you, Dick, uh, in, in all full disclosure, um, on that board. And I think I agree with you. The, um, the energy level is high and I'm really excited to work with, with everybody that's on the board. It's going to be a great year. I loved something that you said, and I kind of want to like um, just pick on that and like make it be the final thing, like um, protecting your business. I love that that was your mm-hmm. first instinct and in response to that because we, we just re- had been recently discussing those things that do come around to bite you. And, and really, um, you know, yeah, for those of us that are sitting on the board, we've put a, a higher level of time commitment. And then maybe if you're asked to be a part of a committee, that might be a little bit less of a, a time commitment that you are um, being asked to provide. 
but really just being a member of the organization to just go out and join the organization for the level of protection that you'll almost immediately be afforded. Yes. The time commitment and the, and the uh, monetary commitment really are not that much given what you're going to get back out of the organization. And so I think that's a huge piece of it, protecting your business. If that's important to you, there's no reason you shouldn't join a trade association. So Tanya, I, I want to give an example of what you're talking about. 20 years ago, we got hit with an with a OSHA fine for a very stupid thing, very simple thing. A guy did not put his seatbelt on the backhoe to move it, and he moved it maybe 30 yards. And when you know, like everything, if you don't have bad luck, you have no luck. The OSHA inspector was standing right there. It was a $3,800 fine. There was no, but guys, it's the first time it happened. There was nothing. It was $3,800, which is more than a third, more than three times what our annual dues are that I could have learned in an ADOSH meeting and promoted it to the guys. Yeah. I learned the hard way 20 years ago. Why? Why yeah. do that? Now, here's, a, here's the ability to join an association for a lot less than what that ADOT fine is. And believe me, or not ADOT, ADOSH, um, believe me, their fines are a lot steeper. Now, Mine was very small compared to what most fines are. So yeah. this will give you a real opportunity to learn and grow and protect yourself. Yeah. I So, you know, back to like I was saying at the very beginning, I have such a passion for this. It's one of the reasons that the tagline for our business is helping you run with the big dogs um, and a huge piece of that is this you don't know what you don't know thing. And unfortunately, over the last five years that we've been operating this firm, almost every time when someone finally comes to us, they've been referred to us, it's because something has come back around and bit them, right? right. And so for me, when Josh came and approached me and asked me to sit on the board, that was one of my, and initially I was like, I really, really want to do that because I would much rather be involved and help people at the level where they're just learning, where they're just building a business and where they're just starting to understand. I would much rather help them avoid all those pitfalls than be coming to our company when something has crippled their company and maybe made it to the point where they almost have to shut down. Like we hear stories from our clientele of that time and time and time again, they're coming only after the fact, only when they didn't know better. And so I have this big passion of being a part of an association where um, you know, if we can really market it well and attract people to it, that they'll really understand that the biggest benefit they could gain is to avoid those types of things. Right. And it's a minuscule amount of money compared to what you could be faced with in an audit or anything else. In an audit and not knowing when to file your 20 here in Arizona, file your 20 day preliminary lien notice, like all of these little tiny things. Again, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Until and you don't have the, you can't afford the staff to right. learn it. Right. Yep. Exactly. But with the ASA, you can have the resources to find out. That's what we're, that's what we're well, here for. And, and honestly, one last sample or example for us was a year ago when the whole COVID thing hit and COVID relief, the, the federal funding. Um, I learned about that we could even possibly qualify at an ASA event. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known about it. For the PPP loan yes, specifically, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. it was at an ASA board meeting 
But then after that, ASA went out and, and some of the newsletters and so on promoting it so that guys knew because we didn't think we qualified because we weren't like a restaurant. We were considered essential. So yes. we were still working. Right. And it, we still qualified. And it was because of ASA is how we found out. Yeah, I will say I watched last year all the different webinars that were happening with ASA. I was really, really impressed with how many people involved in ASA were getting on board to just say, hey, I know this piece of information about what's coming down with this law or this program or this thing. Let me just push that information out to the members, not because it was benefiting them in any way other than just knowing that they're a part of an organization that is there to help others. And how can I help get this information into the hands of the membership that need it right now? Exactly right. I was really impressed and I'm, I'm excited to still be a part of that. I think that had something to do with the person we hired in June to be the new director. I think he's done a fabulous job of helping us with that. Who is that, Dick? For those that are listening on this podcast, not seeing the video. The guy with the bald head who likes Pakistani food. Nice. That would, okay. that would be Josh Umar. Cleared that that piece up. I, I appreciate that very much. I'm I'm honored to be a part of it, and uh, uh, I hope that you know if you get the chance, if you want to meet up and talk about um, joining ASA, you'll get to see the bald head in person. I mean, it's glorious. And who also, by the way, likes uh, to play with bald like bald headed eagles. Well, I guess you can't really play with those, but. Raptor type birds. That's yeah, those. yeah, I do. That's my hobby, it's falconry. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we can always that's, show you the birds too. If you want. <laughs> nice. I should just tell you what a go getter you are. See? Oh, there you go. You don't. You don't do something boring, <laughs> right? You know, like golf, no. like me. See? All right. Yeah, golfing. That's for schmucks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That kind of left a mark. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't. Will you guys please not tell my husband, Joe, I said that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, well, this has been a great discussion, guys. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you guys just taking the time out of your day to come and join and do it. And uh, yeah, we will be uh, putting this podcast out. I really um, am hoping that more people will hear it and understand the benefits that they truly can derive from being a part of a good, great association. Well, I appreciate you giving us this opportunity because. I really hope, like you said, people listen to it, not only in Arizona, but nationally, that maybe we helped a few people to understand what the uh, American Subcontractors Association slash Arizona is really all about. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Guys both. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. If you would like to share your company or product on the Construction Junction, email hello at theprofitconstructors.com to become a sponsor. Okay, how did you get started in your career? Well, I'm a lapsed academic. Um, I I started uh, doing. I I was an engineering major early in college because um, I loved planes and, but but quickly realized that uh, I did not love math every day nearly as much as I loved planes, and so ended up switching over and doing kind of a a philosophy and and cultural history degree as an undergrad. And then when I went to grad school at Syracuse, I, I did philosophy and economics and was in the PhD program there at Syracuse and was teaching classes and, and doing that kind of thing. And, and uh, I got to about my third year and realized like, I, I got to do something. I, I got to do something that has an impact. You know, I'm, I, I love teaching classes and I love studying and I love the ideas and all that. 
but I need to get out there and do something that's going to make people's lives better because that's kind of what gets me up in the morning. And so from there, I went into a variety of um, economic development kinds of work. And obviously, a lot of that has to do with workforce development. And that's how I started interfacing with construction companies. And that led me eventually uh, through some other organizations to, to here at ASA. That's awesome. Yes. So tell us about your career journey. How did you get started in that? And how did you start your company? So I started uh, in college. I was a baseball player. I was a jock. Um, so kind of one of my goals was always to be a high school history teacher because I love American history and either a football or baseball coach. And after my freshman year, I blew my arm and my career ended. And so I took a year out of college and went to Lake Tahoe for a year and played and had a lot of fun and grew up and then came home. And my dad looked at me one day and said, so you're going to spend this money to go to college so you can make $10,000 a year because that was the starting salary for a teacher. And at the time, I was actually working in a slaughterhouse. And I was making a lot more money than that working there. And I thought, well, why do I want to go to school to take a pay cut? So I changed my major to marketing and advertising. I would, my dream was always to devise commercials. I have the mind and the creativity for a commercial. I just don't have the ability to do any of the artwork. I can't even draw a stick man. And I graduated in, in December of 78. And I was still working in, in the said slaughterhouse. And I was making a decent living, but I knew this is not what I wanted to do. So I got an opportunity to go to work for a guy I had gone to high school with who owned a landscape company, but it was strictly maintenance. And I lasted about three months as his operations manager. And basically he wanted me to do all the work and he just wanted to kick back. So after three months, I was talking to my dad one weekend and he said, why don't you do this for yourself? You're killing yourself for somebody else. And so he and I talked about it and I went on my own and 42 years later, I still do it. I still love it. I don't do maintenance anymore. I only do commercial construction, but because of my athletic background, we build a lot of athletic fields as kind of our specialty. So I still get to <clears throat> interact to the thing that I love the most and that's sports. So we yeah. build a lot of football fields, baseball fields, um, we always try to go, like when we build a high school, um, we always try to go to the opening game on the football field that we built, just so we could sit up in the stands with pride and say, we yeah. did this. That's we've cool. We've been doing that for about 25 years now, specializing in that. And I still love it. That's why I haven't hung it up, even though both my daughters would love to see me do that. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Construction Junction. To find out more about the junction between accounting and construction, please email hello at theprofitconstructors.com.